This is the Branches Podcast. We try to keep it simple in this family of faith. Love God and love people. Let's not make it harder than Jesus intended. If you'd like to know more about our community of faith, you can visit us at branchesoc.com. Well, hello, friends. My name is John Eshelman, and I'm looking forward to sharing some good news with you guys this morning. I am sorry that we can't be together in person this week, but we're all just adjusting and learning to adapt during this time. And uh, so we'll just pretend like we're sitting in a really comfortable place and uh, together and we're having a conversation, except I'll be the only one talking and you can listen. So I want to get right to the thought I want to share with you guys. I'm sharing this week and next week. and. Now I know uh, every one of you who is watching this, and I know it's not a ton of you watching this, but for those of you that are, can I just say like sometimes life is really, really, really difficult. Um, And I I know because we're so well-trained in our culture to only put the best stuff forward, to use the filter on social media, to post that beautiful sunset or the kids playing or that great meal, Um, friends laughing and hugging, toasting around the pool in Palm Springs, whatever. I I know we are well conditioned to hide pain, hide the hurt, hide the insecurity, hide the failure, the loneliness, uh, alienation that we feel. And we have been very well trained by our culture to do this. Um, Don't let them see you weak. Don't let them see you ugly. (laughs) Don't let them see you overweight or slow, or unemployed, or sad, or not fun, uh, because you'll be left out. And I'm just going to say, sometimes life is really, really hard. And I'm not going to overshare on this video, uh, but can I just say that uh, I'm currently carrying a fair amount of sadness, and uh, grief, and anger. Uh, And I can imagine that there are at least a few of you out there that are either currently going through a difficult time or have gone through a difficult time. So if you can just imagine what it would be like to go through a time of isolation or loneliness or feeling disconnected, experiencing some kind of loss, just try to picture it. Um, And the reality is, is even with like a sarcastic question like that, um, there are some of you that as you think about it, you know the pain goes so deep that if you were to actually engage it and let it hit you, you feel like you might burst or it might crush you. And I'll just say, I, I get that feeling. Um, I feel it. So is there a word for us today? Is there any encouragement for us this morning is the question. And I really do believe that there is. Um, it's going to take some effort on our part. But I want to share it with you guys, and we're going to look at a couple verses of Scripture. I'm going to make six observations, so you'll know exactly how far we are along on this deal. Um, but I'm going to read you a couple verses of Scripture, and then we'll just we'll get right into it. And so I want to I want, the Scripture I want to share with you. If you have a Bible, you can open it. If you're holding a cup of coffee and a scone and sitting on your couch, then just hang out. It's all good. I'm going to read it. So. Now, Mark 
chapter 1, right at the beginning, verses 14 and 15. That's where we are. Mark 1, 14 and 15. I'm going to read it to you. Now, after John was arrested, John is John the Baptist and Jesus his cousin. It says, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Pretty straightforward verse. That's what we're going to look at. And I'm going to explain why I think this is really good news. So there are a number of things to notice about this short passage. And here are the observations and what I think it could mean for us. So first, first observation, we're already one sixth of the way through here. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Uh, Gospel is just another word for good news. So Jesus shows up announcing some good news from God. Um, And I'll just ask, is it possible that any of us could use some good news from God? Um, I could use some good news from God. And whatever it is you think Jesus was saying while he was here, the writer here seems convinced that it was good news. So second, small observation here. You'll notice that the gospel, the good news, was being proclaimed before Jesus died on the cross, uh, died for anyone's sins, or rose from the dead. Uh, Just an observation, but that should make us rethink what we've been told by our religion. He was preaching the gospel before all that stuff happened. And I would argue if we asked the question around, what is the gospel? Most of us would include the death on the cross for our sins and the resurrection. And I'm not saying that's not good news. I'm just saying Jesus was preaching good news before any of that happened. All right. And uh, the, the little side note here, I am of the opinion that the good news is a person, um, is a relationship, a, re- a relational reality uh, that is manifest in Jesus and always available through the power and presence of the Spirit of Christ. And I'm just going to say it again. The good news is a person, is a relationship, a relational reality that is manifest in Jesus and always available through the power and presence of the Spirit of Christ. It's not just information about Jesus. It's a relational reality in Jesus. So, third observation. And we're like halfway here. This is amazing. The time is fulfilled, Jesus says. The time has come. The season is now. There are all sorts of ways to say this, and it's translated a bunch of different ways. But I just want to offer one little look at it. We can think that if anything, Jesus means that the good news is for right now, like that moment as he's speaking about it. Um, He's basically explaining that what is happening uh, is happening now. Uh, Not the time is near or it's coming or it's going to be here soon or that uh, it'll be here after you die, but rather the time is culminating into this moment, this reality right now. Fourth observation, the kingdom of God. This, I, you know, we have to find new language for some of these things because we don't, we're not real familiar with kingdoms, but this is essentially the rule and the reign of God, the family dynamic of God, the relational paradigm of God. Uh, it's, it's at reach. It's at hand. It's within your grasp. This is a proximity issue. Uh, it's near to you. Um, you can touch it. You can grab it. Uh, you can walk into it. Um, 
So just keep that in mind. Fifth observation, and this will be probably the longest of the six observations. Repent is the word that we get to. And I'll argue here that this word has been uh, not properly defined for us in church, church tradition. That's a tongue twister, church tradition. So let me take a stab at it and simply offer my opinion on this. So repent is a Greek word. Uh, and some of you are already checking out when I said Greek word, but just hang for a second. Metanoeo is the Greek word. Uh, but it's come to be translated with this idea of penance, uh, a payment for sins. Um, repent, it means in our general, and I'll call it misunderstanding, is to feel sorry about the sins, our sins, and the things that we've done wrong. Uh, we say things, like to put it into context, we say things uh, about people in our, in our lives that we have judged uh, to have made a mess of their life or to have wronged us in some way. Uh, we'll say things about them like, well, they're just still unrepentant. They, they broke up the family, they stole, they messed up their life, and they remain unrepentant, which, which essentially means they're not sorry for what they did wrong, right? That's how we kind of generally understand repentance. Uh, and let me just say, I don't believe that that is what Jesus meant when he was calling people to repent. I don't think he was calling them to feel sorry about all for all the things that they had done wrong. That, that Let's suppose they felt sorry for all the things Jesus thinks they had done wrong, <laughs> you know? Because we do things wrong, we're not even, we didn't even realize sometimes that we were doing things wrong. How would that be good news? Hey, you've all been screwing up and you need to start feeling really bad about it. That just, if I'm being honest, it just doesn't feel like good news to me. So let's just take another run at the word, repent. Um, first, meta, noia, remember is the word, metanoeo, uh, is a word that means after or beyond. Meta means after or beyond. Noeo is from the Greek dinoia, uh, which means the mind. So if we bring these two together, after or beyond the mind. So move beyond your mind, uh, some say change your mind or change your thinking, but whatever your thinking is, be open to moving beyond it into trusting uh, or believing. And we'll get to that in a minute. Sin actually has no connection to this word at all. So Jesus is interested in changing our minds, our thinking, not just our behavior. Okay. Uh, so Jesus announces some good news that God's Rule and reign, relational paradigm, family dynamic, kingdom, however you want to think about it, uh, is at your fingertips in your experience. You know, you could, you could experience it. So change your thinking. Last observation. Number six, believe in this good news is what Jesus ends that line with. And believe, let's just say, is to put your trust or your confidence in something. Uh, you depend on it to be true. Uh, this is what Jesus is asking for. Trust that this is reality. Put your trust and confidence in a reality that is relational and is known in Christ Jesus. Uh, so let's read the verse 
one more time with these observations kind of fresh in our head. As you think about what I've just mentioned, Mark 1, 14 through 15. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news that God has for us and saying, the time is fulfilled. It's now. And the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign and reality in this life is at hand within your grasp. Repent, change the way you think about everything, move beyond your mind, and believe, which means to put your trust or confidence in the gospel, in this good news, which I am arguing is a person, a relational reality. Okay, so there are the observations and the verses. And so now my question is, what if? So what if the kingdom is not far off, but is near, is close at hand within your reach? What if the presence and power of God is right here in this moment? What if it's less about your circumstances, whether you deem them good or bad or easy or difficult, uh, blessed or cursed? Uh, what if it isn't ba about like a hashtag blessed, hashtag cursed culture? Uh, but what if it's more about who is with you? and what kind of reality you're experiencing beyond your circumstances. Because I think for in order for it to be good news, it has to be good news for everyone. The good news of God has to be good news for everyone. And we're not all in the same circumstances. Uh, even though my life feels really heavy right now, uh, I still carry with it a lot of privilege living in Southern California and uh, being a white male. All sorts of things come with the life that I've been given that are privileged. And other people wake up already behind the eight ball in so many different ways. Uh, they don't live in Orange County. They don't uh, enjoy this weather or certain luxuries that I enjoy. Uh, so. This good news can't just be for people that things go well for, that have the hashtag blessed next to all their photos. Uh, it has to be for everyone regardless of the circumstances. The good news has to transcend our circumstances, be about something even bigger, which I think is that reality that Jesus is talking about that is found in his presence. So when I face a challenging time, I tend to think that the kingdom is far off somewhere. Uh, you know, it's way off the Earth's orbit somewhere that, or it's, it's something that I'm waiting for, for after I die. But Jesus seems to be insisting, no, it's, it's now and it's here. And it can be stepped into and experienced. Not some after-death experience, but some kind of right-now experience. So when you face a challenge, when you feel isolated or lonely, uh, maybe you can ask this question, is the kingdom near or is it far? Uh, it's been a helpful question for me because if the kingdom is near, there's all, this has all sorts of implications for how we live and move in our make our way through this life now. And have you encountered people that move at a different pace than you do, perhaps, um, that aren't bothered by the same things that you're bothered by? Uh, are they freer or lighter, more centered in love and kindness and mercy? Um, have you found those people? Maybe you are those people. I know that some of you are those people. 
but whether it's near or far is an important reality. And so Jesus is insisting that it's near, it's at your fingertips. Just believe it. Live as though it were true because it actually is. And put your trust and confidence in this reality. And he actually follows up this beginning thing with several statements throughout his ministry. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but you can read them in the scripture. Uh, one thing he says is don't be anxious about your life. Uh, you know, it's, that's certainly not a word we need to hear today, right? Nobody deals with anxiety. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. And, and here's the thing. The circumstances may be difficult, uh, but there's a reality that can transcend your circumstances. And that's what Jesus, that's why it's good news. Because it doesn't have to do with necessarily whether you're in a good place or a bad place. Uh, it's about a reality that can be experienced beyond the experiences or the circumstances that you're in. What if God's peace that transcends our understanding is, is real? Uh, that we just have to trust and that that's the work that we're being asked to do is to just put our confidence in him. Uh, I'll close with just this thought. Uh, Jesus says there's one thing you can do to have this reality of the kingdom lay open for you. Uh, and it's to change and become like a child. And we'll go all the way to the end of Matthew here for this verse, uh, two verses to end with. Uh, so we started in Mark 1. We're going to go to Matthew 18 towards the end. And at the end of his ministry, uh, earthly ministry, Jesus is talking to his disciples, Matthew 18, 2, and it says, and calling to him a child. So his disciples were always trying to keep children from coming to him uh, and bothering them. But Jesus says, hey, he brings a child and he sets it in their midst. midst. He doesn't bring Joshua back from the dead or King David or Elijah or any of the great prophets or Abraham or but he brings a child and he sets it in their midst and he says, truly I say to you, unless you turn, which is changing your thinking, your direction, everything, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You will never experience this reality that I'm talking about. So the circumstances may be difficult, but there's a reality that transcends your circumstances. Can you turn and become like a child and trust that the dynamic is at play here, that it's real? You are never abandoned. You are never alone. Never more loved than you are now. And it's not based on your performance, whether it's good or bad, on your circumstances, whether you're feeling blessed or cursed. And in my mind, that is good news. That is good news. And I hope that it brings you some comfort today, this morning, uh, as you're, whatever it is you're facing, that Jesus says, I have good news for you that God is for you and with you and always moving toward you in love. And it does not depend on your circumstances. If you would just change your thinking and realize that this is real and true and believe it, uh, you will experience it. That's good news. Grace and peace to you, my friends. I'll see you next week.